Welcome to the Church Explained podcast, a conversation to grow your leadership and build your church today. I am the host of the podcast. Nathan is not with us today, so it's myself and our special guest, Paul Rice. Paul, welcome to the show. Uh, the yeah, third, quite, yeah, go for it. Yeah, let, let me just interrupt it because I think that is a good thing for people to think of is that margin. Um, because as you've described there, Paul, it's not just for emergency, but this idea like, you know, what is the unexpected opportunity that's going to come our way this year? What's something that maybe God's going to surprise us on? Uh, and I guess if you've got an emergency fund, that's one thing. But if you have a margin, it's something that's even better, really, isn't it? Yep. You know, because it covers it covers not just the emergency, but it covers opportunities. Another thing that could open up as well. I mean, I mean, it would be good to think of like what do, what do you feel? That, let's say, for example, a church has a ten percent margin. Um, do you think that's different than investments? Think should a church have investments in the other things? As in, like physical financial investments? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Could be, yeah. Yeah, I think those are helpful, and it's something that we as a church have been looking at um, now that we have a, a cash pool uh, built up. Uh, obviously, mm. the uh, the market is down uh, pretty severely at the moment, and we were going yeah, to yeah. invest back in uh, in January of 2022, and we're very glad God told us to be patient and wait because it would be uh, it would be worth about half, roughly, of what it, what it is right now. Wow. Wow. Um, and so, yeah, I think I would encourage if you have the cash reserves. So, obviously. Uh, yeah. Common sense, get that emergency fund in place, right? Let's yeah. make sure we have enough to cover the, the, the emergencies that occur. But then once you get past that, as you start building up cash reserves, it's a great opportunity to begin investing um, either in the market. Uh, mutual funds mm. are, are pretty pretty safe, uh, generally speaking. Obviously, they do ebb and flow. But yeah, it's a great opportunity to make sure that the money that you have saved in the bank that's not reserved for emergencies yeah, yeah. is actually growing. Um, yeah. Inflation here in the U.S. has been about 7% in the last several months. I don't, I don't know what it's been like uh, elsewhere in other countries. But you know, if your money's just sitting in the bank, then uh, it's not protected against that inflation. And so churches can take advantage mm. of that as well. And here's the great thing, too. Uh, church investments grow tax-free. And so mm. if... Uh, uh, again, again, I'm, I'm thinking of it from the U.S. perspective here. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But uh, but because churches are considered nonprofit organizations, any growth, any gains that you make on those investments as a church uh, are yours. Uh, they are not taxed in any way, and so it's a great opportunity. Uh, another another tip that we're about to implement here is make sure that your savings that you are keeping your emergency fund is if you're a U.S. and, and maybe they have, they have other similar things um, overseas, uh, make sure that that savings is in a high-yield savings account. Uh, most mm -hmm. U.S. savings account rates are about 0.01%. <laughs> and so your money is basically sitting there doing nothing. Uh, get that mm -hmm. into a high yield. If you're in the U.S., uh, you can usually get 3 to 4%. And, you know, if you've got $100,000 in there, 4%, that is four grand in a year. Uh, another $4,000 a year. What could your church do with another $4,000? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Hey, well, thanks for sharing that. Some of that may relate more to the American audience, and that's fine. Uh, that one's for free, so uh, they can grab that. So, hey, you've mentioned two things. What, what's the last three things uh, that, with, that you're thinking of this system or, or around finances? Yeah. Um, the next one is generously fund your mission. And this goes back to mm. um, uh, this goes back to pushing your expenses 
and what you're investing uh, money into through that mission, vision, strategy filter that we talked about at the very beginning. Sure. So uh, I always like to say that uh, budgets are less about the numbers and they're more about decisions that created those numbers. Mm. And budgeting is really just a decision-making process. It's great. Yeah. Again, we talked about uh, earlier, just because your budget's in the black for the year does not mean that you're actually being effective as a church. Mm -hmm. The decisions that you're making with that money is what is going to cause you to be effective and generate that return on investment that we so desire. And so we want to make sure that we are, and I, I even I added the word generously in there, we want to make sure that we are generously like funding yeah. the things that are going to advance the mission that God's called us to. And one of the ways mm -hmm. that we can make sure that we're doing that, give us give, give ourselves some guide rails is to just pick three to five things that your church is going to be really, really good at. Again, back to the side hustle things. Your resources start getting uh, divested into other areas. It gets spread out too thin. Uh, at some point, you need enough money to really make an impact in whatever area that you're trying to make an impact in. And 100 bucks isn't going to cut it anymore. You need to pool your resources into just a few things and uh, to really actually have a true financial impact uh, impact into these areas. And you brought that you brought up a great point earlier too. Not only will it pool your financial resources, but now you have more volunteers. You have more time to devote to these three to five things that your church mm -hmm. is going to be really, really good at. That's going to actually advance your mission. So make sure that you're generously funding those areas. You're getting enough money into those areas to do what you're trying to accomplish. Uh, the next step is to create healthy systems. And this is all about accountability. This is all of the boring finance things that nobody likes to deal with, the reports and the expense tracking and the income tracking and filing taxes and all of this kind of stuff for your employees' payroll. Uh, but it's so, so important. And I'm not going to delve into just a lot of the technicalities there. But one thing I will say that is really, really important, I think, for pastors is that you should not be, and this is particularly applicable to pastors of church plants and small churches where the teams are mm. small, you should not be the only person that sees the finances. Absolutely. Maybe you shouldn't even be the person that manages the finances. Let's take it a step further. Mm. And that goes back to that mindset of, okay, this is God's money. This is not my money. And if you are the senior leader of any organization, it's really, really wise to have somebody else that can tell you no, that can say, I don't think this is a good investment right now, or no, we don't have the money. Because otherwise, it can be really tempting to, again, go try that cool idea. Oh, well, we'll just, we'll just spend uh, some money over here, and then you're not measuring it. You have no idea if it was effective or not. But have somebody that can tell you no. Don't be the sole owner of those finances. Mm. That is a very mm. healthy system that any church of any size should be implementing. I just call out church plants and small churches in particular because often they don't mm -hmm. have the staff um, to you know, help make that happen. Something that you can do to alleviate that is to get over this idea that finances are so private and so secret that a volunteer mm -hmm. who likely has more experience in the uh, financial world than you do can't help you manage, can't help you say no to the things that are bad investments for you to spend on. I had a guest on, Jeff Sage, who's out under Pastor Judd Wilhite at Central Church in Las Vegas. And uh, Jeff just kept hammering this point home. Why can't a volunteer do that? And so if you're a, if you're a small church pastor who doesn't have a big team underneath them, you can find somebody that you trust, even if they're not a part of your church. It could be outside of your church, too. Find yeah. somebody to help you say no 
to give you that accountability and, and you know give you that healthy system of accountability to make sure that you don't end up in a situation that you're going to regret and that shows up in the news later. Yeah, definitely, because that's going to protect the leader as well. Um, and I, I like what you were saying there, Paul, this idea of if they're not with you, if you haven't got the volunteers or you haven't got the people on staff, listen, there's plenty of other churches around, like go and ask another church. Go and ask the church down the road, yep. you know, can you help us with this? Rather than the leader being vulnerable uh, and putting themselves at risk, really. You know, they're putting themselves at risk and they're putting, I guess, the new church at risk if it's a new church plant. So, I, yeah, I, I think I'm fully with you on that and would fully encourage all leaders to be thinking through very carefully, you know, who's seeing the finances and who's in charge of the finances. Because actually, you want protection for yourself as a leader um, yep. in those situations as well. So systems are important. What else do you have there that's, I think, number five on your list there? I think it may have dropped out for a moment there. Yeah, not a problem. It'll pick up in the recording. So, so yeah, the, the, the number five um, item that you have there, what does that look like for people? Yep. The last one, and I think this is maybe the most difficult one for pastors mm. to uh, approach, especially if they have had no experience, they didn't grow up hearing about money in church. But the fifth one is to attract and develop investors. And again, I go back to that investment idea. I, I say attract and develop investors because you want people not just, um, you know, obviously we want to worship God with, with the money that we are giving through the church to God. But you also want people who are fully bought in to the mission and vision and strategy of what your church Definitely. is trying to accomplish. And so that means that you don't want people who are just giving because you're supposed to. You want people actually investing into the mission of your church. And when you frame it that way, that is when you get people who are actually giving consistently, giving that you can count on, giving that you can rely on. And that's going to mean talking about money in church. And I know that is a sensitive, yeah. hot-button issue Certain denominations are very against it. Certain denominations probably take it way too far. Uh, so a thousand dollars today, and your debt will be wiped out from a check in the mail. You know, you've seen the you've seen the TV, the televangelist types, um, and uh, but there's a very there is a healthy way that we can go about talking about money, mm -hmm. and I think the healthiest way that we can talk about that is to again adopt the mindset that this is God's money, not my money. You're not giving necessarily to our church you are giving this to God. And so when you frame it in a sense of, hey, this is an act of worship to God, uh, and you are investing in the kingdom of God when you are giving through this local church, that's something that people can really grasp and get on board. People get turned off, you know, when they're like, uh, yeah, a pastor needs a raise, and so let's give more. Or, uh, you know, hey, we need this or we need that. Uh, frame it in such a way uh, that it is about faith. It's about God. And I even, uh, my most recent guest, uh, Pastor Cody Woodard, was talking about using the talking about money as a discipleship opportunity. Ooh. They recently did a uh, kind of a building a campaign, fundraiser, strategic initiative type of thing. And they actually used the opportunity of the, in that campaign to teach people why do we give? Uh, what is it about this tithing thing? What is it about generosity? Why are we doing all of this in the first place? Okay, yeah, it's an act of worship, but 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 what else? What what is happening here? Yeah. And so when yeah. we when we frame it in this discipleship framework, people can latch onto that, and they're not quite so turned off by it. And you know, if you're a pastor and you're listening, uh, 
I would highly encourage you, uh, if you're nervous about talking about money, if you're nervous about bringing up the giving thing, uh, statistically speaking, you know, people are only going to give when presented the opportunity. And so you should be presenting that opportunity, even if it's a bit uncomfortable. And, and usually the argument, mm. the pushback that you get is, well, what if people leave? Uh, what if people uh, send me nasty emails? things like that, uncomfortable conversations have to happen, uh, then probably those people weren't bought into your mission and vision anyways. <laughs> and if your whole point of running a church is to keep as many people on the seats as possible, I think you're missing the point here. Mm -hmm. You're missing the point and the mission of what Christ has called his church to. And so let those people go. Uh, you know, we are not here to try to hold on to people and make them sit through our one hour sermon every week and, and give their offering just to keep, just to keep them happy. Uh, talk about it. Jesus talked about money more than just about anything else in the new Testament. Right. And so, it, right. and, and the reason is because money, the reason, be, the reason money is such a sensitive issue is because it's a heart. You know, we, Jesus says we are literally yeah. tied where your heart, uh, where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. Uh, yeah, and, and so people invest their money into things that they care about, into things that they believe are a worthwhile investment. And when you don't talk about money in church, you're basically telling people I don't believe that the mission of this church is important enough to ask you to give into it. Mm. Nonprofits are great at this. Uh, you go to any nonprofit, you, you see the in the U.S. we have we have the uh, uh, the United States Girl Scout Association, and they sell these cookies every year. It's a great way for for young ladies to learn how to be business uh, business businesswomen, learn how to sell, learn how to promote. And man, every time I go to the, it's, it's Girl Scout cookie season right now. Every time I go to the grocery store, I'm accosted by the, uh, <laughs> by the Girl Scouts selling the cookies outside, but they are, they believe in what they're doing. And so they are unafraid. They are, most of them are very, very bold. They'll come right up to you as you're walking mm. out with your groceries. Hey, do you want to buy some Girl Scout cookies? And it's really, really hard to tell an eight year old no, because <laughs> you already bought something from somebody else. Um, but they are so bold. They are so willing because they believe in what they're doing. Why as pastors, why as church leaders, are we so afraid to ask people to give into something that is infinitely more important? Eternal, you know, eternity is on the line here, infinitely more important than a box of Girl Scout cookies. And so I would mm -hmm. encourage you to take a step of boldness and exactly ask yeah, people to give. Stop apologizing. Mm -hmm. Don't do the jokes, you know, oh, it's going into my pocket. Ha ha ha. You know, uh, Oh, I'm sorry. We have to have this this uh, this this offering moment. Uh, get out of this apologetic attitude and just yeah. ask. People are most going to be most willing to give when the opportunity is presented to them. So yeah. make sure, yeah, make sure that you are being attractive by to investors by spending your money wisely, by stewarding it wisely, but also make sure that you are developing those investors by discipling them, talk, teaching about giving, talking about giving beyond just giving to the church, make it a discipleship thing and uh, really develop those investors. And that that's going to cover the income, you know, piece of your budget. Budgets are in two pieces. You have expenses and you have income. Uh, and, and so those are the five kind of the five pieces of the framework that I think every church uh, needs to be implementing as you get bigger, you get add on to that and you get into uh, you get into the generosity campaigns and then teams and things like that. But at a minimum, just getting started out, clearly define your mission. What are you trying to do? Put margin in your budget, generously fund the things that you're going to do to pick those three to five things that's going to advance your mission. 
build those accountability systems in place, create some healthy systems around you, get some protection as a pastor, make sure that you're tracking your finances properly. And then don't forget about the giving piece, attract mm -hmm. and develop those investors. Make sure you're talking about money, talk about giving, don't be afraid to, it can be nerve wracking. There might be some difficult conversations, but it's going to be worth it in the end. And I'd, I'd probably be willing to say that if you're not talking about money right now and you're, you think you might need more giving, start talking about it consistently, have that consistent opportunity to do a learning series, do, do something. And I promise you that your giving will increase. I, I can't give you a guaranteed percentage, obviously, but if you're not talking about it, most people are not going to give. So I would highly encourage churches to, to incorporate those five yeah. pieces into their financial systems. Paul, thanks for sharing those five, um, I'm going to say pillars, um, five five items of that framework I think is really helpful for a pastor or somebody just to hear. And I think you're right. It is it is about um, connecting it all to the vision and the mission of the church because if you are going to talk about giving, you've got to talk about it around those areas rather than standing up and saying, well, we want money for a new lighting system. It, it's got to be, hey, we want money for the new lighting system for the vision. Whatever you're going to take it yes. for, you've got to always tie it back to vision and mission. So that's really important. We've got a few more questions to go just before we wrap up um, for today. But but we've been talking a lot about leaders. And I guess one of the questions I had here is around, do you think a leader's personal finances have anything to do with how they operate in the church? And maybe that's a, a difficult question and maybe... A question maybe some leaders don't want us to talk about, but I think it's an important one. What's your thoughts around this? I mean, um, like the, the, the leader's personal financial situation, how does that impact how the church operates? Yeah. I think that the circumstances around somebody's finances in terms of the amount of money they make uh, have minimal impact on the way that that leader might uh, or excuse me, the way that the finances at the church that they lead might might uh, uh, might have. What will have an impact is how they manage their own personal finances. Um, not not the amount, yes, but how they manage. Exactly. You can't you can't give what you don't have. You can't lead somebody else to a place that you've not been yourself before, um, at least personally. And so I've even seen this uh, in my own life as well. The way that a church leader, whether the the finance person at the church or whether they're the senior pastor or whatever role that they're taking on that they have some say over the finances some kind of direct control over it however they manage their money at home will 100 percent with time reflect how they manage money at the church that they are at 100 percent of the time because the habits that you're forming personally are the habits that will show up publicly in your organization and if you are doing a poor job managing your finances at home you are going to incorporate and interject those same habits into the church that you're leading. You haven't changed as a person just yeah. because you're at work, you know, as the so pastor. If you have no margin, if you have no margin and you're always spending beyond mm -hmm. what you make, again, that could have an impact on the church as well, couldn't it? Yep, 100%. Uh, your habits are going to carry over. There's just, there's just no way around it. Mm -hmm. You don't become mm -hmm. a different person once you show up to work. You're the same person. And like you said, the same spending habits that you have at home. This is where pastors that are especially visionary types that uh, see squirrels and they're like, oh, oh, let's go do that. Oh, let's go do that. Uh, this is when the money starts really flowing out the door. And uh, me and my pastor have had this conversation and we, we, we've talked about this. And so I, he, won't, he won't mind if I bring this up. But early on in the church, he was very much that way. 
let's go let's go try this thing oh I, we're just going to spend money on whatever we think we need and you know you're that's how a three thousand dollar three second radio ad uh, gets put out that has a zero return on your investment it was a seemingly great idea and well, let's just go do it and so uh you know three thousand dollars out the door right there um and so but but some of that stemmed uh from his personal experience with finances in his uh, very young adult life um Ooh. he he had ended he up, was in, up bringing his way yeah he ended yeah. up in a lot of debt he was working his way out of it but some of those habits were still there um, even at the time and so he has since matured and, and grown out a lot out of a lot of those and is doing very very well uh, in his personal finances now and that has been a reflection of me having to have fewer conversations uh, with him and our operations director. No, we can't spend this money. <laughs> no, stop. Uh, no, you can't do that. Uh, and th those kinds of conversations happen far, far less. And I am able to really fully trust them at this point, you know, to go, yes, okay, I think you really understand what is actually needed. Yes, you may go spend this money. You have a budget. Go spend it as long as you stick to the budget. A lot of the the willy-nilly spending habits uh, are, are long gone at this point. But it's just a good example of, for him, some of those leftover habits that he had personally as he was working out of things uh, carried over a little bit uh, in, into the church itself. And so, again, mm -hmm. he's, he's, he's matured largely out of that. So, uh, But, yeah, yeah, your habits are going to carry over. How you manage your personal yeah. finances as a church leader will be reflected in the I church. Definitely. And, and it's a big, it's a big thing, I think, as, as leaders, not that leaders have to be perfect. They can't be. But of course, yeah. I mean, you can notice it not just in their financial habits, you know, but, you know, like sometimes you'll go to a leader's home and if it's very untidy, you go to the church, it's the same thing. And, and of course, one reflects the other. Um, and it's good for people to think, well, how, how am I living? Because it will have an impact. And I've, I guess the key thing is for any leader is to surround themselves with the right types of people who are going to help them in their journey as they seek to build the church. So, Paul, you've shared some great insights today and maybe maybe some real building blocks that churches can be thinking of and leaders can be thinking of, of implementing into their settings. Maybe there's some things missing. Maybe some churches are running some things, but maybe they don't have margin. Maybe they're running in another way, mm -hmm. but something's missing. It's good for them to think of those things today. So before we wrap up, Paul, hey, thanks for being on the show. I've got a couple of quick fire questions for you before we wrap up, and then you can share with people where to find you today. So, um, what are you most excited about, and what are you most challenged about? Remember, they're quick fire, so you've got to answer them quickly as well today, <laughs> Paul. Sounds good. Uh, right now, I'm most challenged about um, my three year old, who, as I've discovered as a new parent, is acting just like I did at that age. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so for me, it was just uh, as a young as a youngster getting frustrated at just the little things and, and when things don't work out right away, getting frustrated at that. So uh, having learning to parent basically a mini me has been has been very challenging. Uh, I think what I'm most excited yeah. about and challenged about right now is uh, at church is actually standing up kind of a generosity development uh, track uh, to help people move from okay. not having given before to actually uh, not only uh, giving consistently, but also giving over and above uh, the tithe and helping to disciple people in, in that way. So that that is a new challenge in front of me, and I'm looking Ooh. forward to, to implementing it. That's exciting as well. Um, your top two books you would recommend and why? Yeah, um, Essentialism by Greg McEwen. Um, this is a pretty mm -hmm. popular book. If you're a church leader, I would highly encourage you to read it. It is all about filtering down uh, what is necessary from what is unnecessary. 
He's got some great, great material in there. And I use the principles that he outlines in that book to filter our spending decisions and investing decisions at the church. Do we really need this? If not, it goes in the bucket. I would say if it's not a 95%, you know, very, very clear yes. Uh, he says if it's not a clear yes, it's a clear no. So um, check that book mm -hmm. out, Essentialism by Greg McEwen. And the second one is um, a great one if you're a podcaster. Uh, I would highly recommend it, especially if you are an interviewer like yourself. It's called Listen Like You Mean It by Himena mm -hmm. uh, Vangochia. And uh, in this, she actually talks about uh, how her own interviewing skills as a uh, human researcher uh, developed. And she would go to people's houses and ask them how they're doing things and just watch and really, really listen to gain understanding, not just listen so you can spit the next thing out. And uh, again, would highly, highly recommend it. Listen Like You Mean It by Hemina Vengochia. It has really helped my interviewing uh, skills, learning to oh, listen like instead of uh, just oh, thinking of the next oh. question. Well, we'll drop those in the show notes. And uh, Greg McKeown, uh same surname as me, uh, but no, no relation. Unless, unless he is a uh, relative, and if he is, and he's made a lot of money, please <laughs> come and see me. We can do something with that for our vision and mission here at Icon Church. But that's fantastic. Two great books. I've read that one myself, of course, as well. So, uh, and your favorite uh, meal of choice, if you had one meal you could choose, what would it be? I'm a Southern Texas boy, so I okay. I like chicken fried steak uh, with garlic oh. garlic mashed potatoes, a roll, and yeah, yeah. give me just a big old slice of chocolate cake with some chocolate icing on it. I I would choose that meal every time if I could. That sounds pretty good to me. I'm getting hungry. We're part way through our 21 days of prayer and fasting, so you're <laughs> sorry, more hungry today, Paul. And uh, your last question today, um, before we can show. Uh, with people a little bit more about where to find you. Um, how do you stay fresh in life? What, what do you do to stay fresh? Yeah, playing drums is a great outlet for me. I know we've brought this up already. Um, for me, it's a great stress yeah, reliever. Definitely. I just enjoy doing it. You get to hit stuff with sticks yeah. really, really hard. Uh, it, it's good. It's yeah. good for stress relief and good and a good creative <laughs> outlet too. I get I get a lot of ideas while I'm playing, not only just for for musically, but but also for life as well. Um, I want to go back to what I said earlier, uh, intentionally be interested in other people. Uh, the podcasting okay. thing for me has just been eye-opening, helps keep me from getting stale and stagnant in my own thinking. Mm -hmm. You get mm -hmm. access to different perspectives if you'll just go and talk to a stranger and ask them about themselves. You know, how's life? What do you do? And uh, just be interested in other people that will keep, that will keep you from getting uh, stuck in your own thinking silo and uh, and give you a little bit of, a, of an expanded view um, of life. And uh, also yeah. watching pretty much any historical documentary or drama, my favorite, uh, particularly with respect to uh, the World Wars. I love all that history. My favorite uh, doc uh, docu series was by HBO called something called Band of Brothers about the 101st Ooh. Airborne. Um, easy company airborne division um, who dropped into Normandy. So anything history, I will watch history channel here in the U S anything on Hulu yeah. or Netflix. I, I will watch it. And I, I love to unwind with that. Yeah. That, th those things help. And as you say, better to hit drums than hit people with sticks. That's not <laughs> very useful either. Hey, but it's been so good to have you on the show today, Paul. Thanks for sharing your insights and um, your experience and what you've discovered Hey, how, how can people find you? What's the best place for people to find you? I know you've got a, uh, a couple of things on the go. So why didn't you share with us today before we wrap up? I'm most active on Instagram. It's at Mission Driven Budget is the handle. I've kind of abandoned yeah. Twitter at this point. Most of my audience is active on Instagram. So that's where you can find me. Shoot me a DM. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, you can also find the podcast uh, anywhere you listen to podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, yeah, you name it, it's all out there. Or you can head to show notes and things like that at missiondrivenbudget.com slash podcast. Um, I also uh, do help uh, do a little bit of consulting and coaching from right. time to time. Um, uh, you can head to missiondrivenbudget.com slash calendar. If there's something you just want to have a phone call or you actually want me to you know, hire me on to help sort out any issues you might be having with your finance processes, uh, help increase giving, fix problems, uh, I am more than open and willing to do that. Let's connect. Yeah, I like that. Hey, thanks for that. We'll put all that in the show notes and we'll link your podcast as well on our site as we put out the podcast. So if people want to find you or get some coaching or consultation from yourself. And, and I, I guess the great thing is that this can happen, um, you know, online as well. If somebody yes. wants to grab a Zoom call with you, you can do that even if they're a different part of the country or even, I guess, a different part of the world. Uh, they can still connect with you. The genius of technology for us today. So, Paul, thanks for being with us. Uh, that is a wrap for us today. So thank you to all our listeners, for those who are watching. Uh, for being part of the Church Explained podcast today. Don't forget to rate, review wherever you find us on the Church Explained podcast. We'd love to connect with you and find out more. Remember, we've got also lots of free resources on open. Lots of team resources, leadership resources you can have for completely free as well. So, hey, thanks for being with us today. Thank you. It's been a pleasure.